Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. And don't forget, if you enjoy taking notes, you can download the fillable PDF file on our website at goharvest.org forward slash notes. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. I want to talk this morning about the battles of life, and the title of my message is Never Lost a Battle. And the truth is, battles are a part of life. We all face them. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. But the good news is we serve a God who has never lost a battle. Can I get a witness this morning, amen? He's a God of miracles and a God that can do all things but fail and a God that will help you win the battles that you face. Hallelujah. Say it with me. With God, all things are possible. Amen. Man, y'all looking good this morning. Everybody got here? God bless you. Good to see you. So many here today. Thank you for coming out. Man, it's just great to see all of you on campus and online. The lights came up, and then I could see everyone. It's so good to see everyone. God bless you. Well, I want to talk about a couple of major battles that we face. First of all, in the Bible, we talk about the, the battle against death. Say with me, the battle against death. And death is called, how many know that right now that uh, mortality is running at about 100%? But how many know that we serve a God who's going to help us to rise again someday? And death is called the last enemy. It's the final enemy. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says this, the last enemy to, destroy, to be destroyed will be death. But in Christ we have life. Say it with me, in Christ we have life. And if you go through the book of John that we'll be in here in just a few moments, you'll find the word life used over and over again. In Christ we have life. In fact, the Bible says in John 1, 4, in him, in Christ, was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. Hallelujah. Now, one of the greatest stories in the Bible that represents life and life overcoming death, Christ overcoming death, is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. How many of you like that story? So I want you to take your Bibles right now and just turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, this wonderful story about Lazarus being brought up from the dead. And we, we won't unpack it fully today because I've, I'm sharing it in the context of an overall message, so I'm not going to do full justice to this story, but uh, I'll, I'll preach on it at another time and, and give it full justice. But let's talk about the story, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Now, Jesus had very, three very close friends. Of course, in ministry, Jesus had Peter, James, and John. They were on the inner circle of the, of the disciples. But outside of the disciples, he had followers, and he had three close friends who were followers of his, and they were Mary and Martha and Lazarus, all right? They're all part of one family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And Mary and Martha had just sent word to Jesus that Lazarus, their brother, had become ill, and he was near death. And so these were three very close friends of Jesus. How many glad that we can be a friend of Jesus and that we can be a friend of God, amen? And how do you know that uh, as much as Jesus loves, loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha, he loves you as well. You are loved by God today, and you are loved by Jesus today. So he, they heard that Lazarus had become ill and that he was near death. And so we'll pick it up in John chapter 11 and verse 4, and you're going to have to just follow me closely because I'm going to leap ahead on some scriptures here. But it'll all be in the book of John, John 11, 
And when he heard this, that Lazarus was sick and near death, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son might be glorified through it. This sickness will not uh, end in death. Well, you'll see in just a second that Lazarus did die, but it didn't end in death, all right? Now, in verse 5, it says this, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. He loved them all. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he rushed right to where he was. No, the Bible doesn't say that. He stayed where he was for two more days. Go figure. Jesus just heard that his best friend was sick, near death, might not make it through the night, and instead of going right to where Lazarus was, he stayed right where he was for two days. Now, you got to ask yourself the question, why doesn't God show up on our calendar? Sometimes God shows up, usually he shows up on his own calendar. Somebody said, you know, he may not come when you want him, but he's right on time. And sometimes he comes when the situation is really hopeless. And let me tell you why, because God's timing is not our timing. Say it with me, God's timing is not our timing. His ways are above our ways. And I heard somebody say a long time ago, God's delays are not God's denials. I love that. God's delays are not God's denials. So God's on a different time frame, and really, Jesus knew what was going on, and he knew that if he got there and just healed him, he'd be healing a sick man, but he intentionally waited a couple of days because he wasn't going to heal a sick man, he was going to heal a dead man. How many know that it takes just a little bit more to heal a dead man? Bring a dead man back, all right? So Jesus then told his disciples plainly, look at verse 14, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you might believe. This is why. I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you might believe. So let's go to him now. So um, Lazarus was dead now, right? And time looks like it had run out, but watch this. Time may have run out for Lazarus, but time hadn't run out for Jesus. Time may have run out for you, but time hasn't run out for Jesus. Can I get a witness, amen? You might feel, well, time's run out for me, but time hasn't run out for Jesus. And then look at verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. How many know if you've been in the tomb for four days, you are probably dead? (laughs) And the door had been closed and all of that. The, The stone had been rolled against it or put against it with great effort. And then when Martha now, uh, everyone say with me right now, Martha, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. So watch this. Martha came out to meet Jesus. Remember, Martha is the server. Remember that story about her serving, you know, and just busy, busy. She, Martha came up, but Mary stayed at home. And Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. This wasn't a criticism of Jesus. She just said, I just know who you are. You're the healer. And he'd already brought up uh, two from the dead already, and, and now Lazarus would be the third. If you'd have been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. That's faith. So Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. He's dead, but he'll rise again. Let me give you good news this morning. Even though you may die, you're going to rise again in Christ. Hallelujah. That's because of the resurrection of Christ. Martha then answered, he said, she said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She, she knew well enough that there was going to be a resurrection coming. 
So she says, I know that you're going to raise him on the last day. And what she was going like, well, I know, Jesus, that, you know, uh, down the road, when we all rise again, he'll rise again then. But Jesus said, no, no, here's what I want you to see. I want you, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He said to Martha. And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who came into the world. Now, she still believed, but she hadn't put it all together. How many of you have ever had a time in your life where you believed, but you still hadn't put it all together? In other words, in other words, you had enough faith to go on, but you didn't really have all of the particulars worked out yet. Isn't that the way that we walk? Isn't that the way that we live? We walk by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. We have a lot of things that we do understand, but we have a lot of things we don't understand. And I'll tell you what, God never shows you everything in the walk of faith, because if he did, you'd never take the first step. Right? He did, you'd take a couple of steps ahead, and then God, boom, boom, boom. But if you knew all the things that were coming your way in life, you'd never take the first step. All you've got to know is that God is with you, and if God is with you, who can be against you? Amen? So, now, Martha had had a talk with Jesus. They got closer to where, they, where, they, where Lazarus was. And then Mary comes out. Say with me, Mary. So when Mary reached the place, look at verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. She said the same thing that Martha had said. Now, Mary represents in the equation of the three, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, is the one that was the worshiper of God, you know. Uh, 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 Martha was the servant. Mary was like the worshiper. She said the same thing, though. If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have, done, you know, he wouldn't have died. And, a, and I'm sure that during the three or four days leading up to Jesus getting there, They'd had plenty of talks like, wow, we just missed out. If Jesus would have been on hand, he'd have been healed. So she said the same thing. Look at verse 33 now. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Now the families had come in, the Jewish friends had come in, everybody was around there. They were weeping for the loss of Lazarus. And then Jesus came on the scene and he says, where have you laid him? Well, Jesus, you know, knows everything, and I'm sure that by the Spirit that he knew where he'd been laid anyway, but he asked the question. And he said, come and see, Lord, they replied. And when he saw where he, they had laid Lazarus, his good friend, Mary and Martha were weeping, and all of the Jews that were weeping around him, all of a sudden, Jesus wept. Say it with me right now, Jesus wept. Here's, and, and if you re- really re- read about this, Jesus weeping, it was just a profound weeping that he'd had for the loss of Lazarus and and not only because Lazarus was lost he knew that he was going to come back to life again not that he was only lost but then all of the grief that was around him the grief of the Jews his friends Mary and Martha and everything and Jesus wept I want to just tell you here this morning that Jesus is a compassionate savior how many of you already know that and Jesus is touched with the feelings of the infirmities of his people I'll tell you what um Jesus is moved by the feelings of our infirmities. Hallelujah. And he comes to where we are in our deepest pain. Praise God. I'll tell you what, when I felt my worst, I've seen Jesus come, and he's come to me because he's moved by the feelings of our infirmities. 
Have you ever had a time where you felt like, God, I don't know if I can go another step. I don't know how I'm going to go. And then Jesus shows up in your life in your most empty position, in your most empty way, in the time you're hurting the most, then God kind of comes on the scene of your life and shows himself to you. Now look at verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance, a cave and a stone laid across the entrance. And then he said this, Take away the stone, he said, but Lord, Martha said, the sister of the dead man, now they're calling him the sister of the dead man, not the sister of Lazarus, but the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. And they would come and put spices, wrap the body and all of that. They didn't do any embalming at that time. They just wrapped the body with spices and doing all of that. Why? To keep away the stench. But then Jesus said, Did I not tell you if you believe you will see the glory of God? How many you know that when we're in the midst of the stalemate in our life, when everything's come to a stop, we need to remember what God has told us, you're going to see my glory. Can I get a name? In other words, keep on holding on to hope. So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. How many know that Jesus prayed? And if Jesus prayed, we need to pray. Amen? But he looked up to heaven and he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And then I like this part right now. He says, I, I, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. In other words, I'm got, he's praying out loud. and He says, you know, it's kind of between him and the Father. God, I know that you always hear me, but I'm saying this for the benefit of the people that are standing here so that they'll believe in you. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, and here's what he said. He called in a loud voice. Now, all of this weeping, all of this groaning, all of this grief, and all of this even uh, disdain for the devil and disdain for death comes into this, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Say with me right now, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come out. And so notice that he calls him by name. He called him by name. St. Augustine, who is a philosopher and a bishop, uh, and Augustine once said that if Jesus had not called Lazarus by name, all of the graves in the area would have been emptied and at his command. That's the power of God. In other words, he just called them by name. Otherwise, all of, all of them. If you've ever been to Israel and been in some of these caves, some of these caves and some of these crypts there have literally thousands of bodies in them. Thousands of them. Some of them are underground. This one was in a cave. But at the command of Jesus, every, I'm telling you, everybody could have come. He just called out Lazarus. Kind of an interesting little point. And you'll see a picture right now, and there's Jesus calling Lazarus. And he comes out, and he's wrapped in linen and his grave clothes and all of that and the bible says in verse 44 the dead man came out his hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face and jesus said to them take off the grave clothes and let him go and let me tell you here this morning when god causes you to come back to life again it's a physical healing but it's also a spiritual healing it's also being set free he said loose him and let him go and when God does a new thing in your life, he wants you to loose those old grave clothes of the past, loose that, and let him go, because in Christ, everyone becomes a new creature. Old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. Can I get a witness here this morning? Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. 
And then I want you to see how this ends. Therefore, because of Lazarus coming back from the, from the dead, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. So many of the Jews of that time converted to Jesus. They, they left Judaism and became Christians and followers of Christ. Now watch this. You'd think this would be a great... I mean, it is a great thing. Your testimony is a powerful thing, but your testimony can also cause a little bit of persecution to happen as well. So when the chief priests heard that many Jews were believing in Jesus, they plotted to kill Jesus and Lazarus. Did you know that? Not only did they want to kill Jesus, but they wanted to kill Lazarus. Did you know that? During the crucifixion, they wanted to bring Jesus and they wanted to kill Lazarus because of his testimony. In fact, in John chapter 12, verse 10 and 11, it says the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well as Jesus. They wanted to kill Lazarus as well as Jesus for on account of him, many Jews were going over to Jesus and believing on him. Praise God. What I'm trying to say here this morning is this miracle was such a great miracle that when Jesus came into town on Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday morning, the people not only wanted to see Jesus, but they also wanted to see Lazarus just to get a glimpse of him and see the man that had been brought back from the dead. There's great power, hallelujah, when we have, we're talking about the power of Christ. So what is the message of the story of Lazarus? Here's the message, all right? With God, you will win the battle against death. Praise God. I want to tell you, for every single person in this place, we have an appointment, and that appointment is once to die, and after that, the judgment. But I'm telling you what, you're not going to stay in that grave. You're going to get resurrected, resurrected from that grave because of Jesus Christ. And if you're happy for that, give, the, give a loud amen. Amen. With God, you will live again. Praise God. So that's the battle against death. That's a major battle that we have. Well, I want to talk about the second battle this morning is the battle for your destiny. The battle for your destiny. Now, one of the battles that we all face is getting from where we are to where we want to go. In other words, reaching our destiny, that place where God wants us to be. How many know that we all start out that way? get out of high school, get into college, but we're wanting to go, God, I want you to take me from where I am to where I'm supposed to be. That's our destiny. And you see this in the story of Jericho. Everyone say with me this morning, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the what? The walls came tumbling down. But Jericho was the first major test for Joshua, who is the leader of Israel after Moses died. So remember when Moses took the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, let my people go. They cross the Red Sea. They get right close to the promised land. Uh, Moses then wasn't going to cross over into the promised land, but Joshua was. Moses died, but then Joshua became the next leader, but now he had to prove his leadership. What was going to happen? This was the first major test to overtake Jericho. So conquering the mighty city of Jericho with its massive walls was the first step in, in Israel claiming the promised land and reaching their destiny. Watch this. Are you hearing me right now? Going into Jericho was the first test of them conquering the land and realizing their destiny, the, 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 the promised land. Let me, let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you want to reach your own promised land? How many of you want to reach your own destiny, amen? How do you know that there's going to be some battles in the meantime? They're not just going to hand you this on a plate, but you're going to have to take the land yourself, amen? 
How many of you have gone to school? You've gone to college? You've, gone, you, you've done your best? I'm talking about you've worked. I'll tell you what, but God says, I want to help you take the land. So this was found, the battle for your destiny. So, and how many know that the devil wants to hold you back from reaching your destiny? He really does. But this was found, this story is found in the Battle of Jericho in Joshua chapter 6. This is the only other story we'll be talking about this morning. The Battle of Jericho. Now watch this in verse 1. It's in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. So they had the city shut up because they knew that the Israelites were coming. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. God says this, I'm going to deliver them into your hands. And then he said this, here's how we're going to do it. March around the city once with all the, war- with all the armed men and do this for six days. Just march around the city once for six, de- six days. How many you know that that'll take the walls of Jericho down, right? Well, it didn't sound like it. But how many you know that God's ways are different than our ways, right? Then they said, have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark, and on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. Now, when you hear them sound a long blast in the trumpets, have the whole army of God shout with a loud shout, then the wall of the city is going to collapse and the army will go up and everyone straight in. Does everyone understand? Wow, we've never done it this way before. We usually use, you know catapults and fiery darts and everything else and climbed up the side of the walls but no we're going to just shout to the Lord yes look at verse 14 so they marched around the city once and returned to the camp and they did this for six days say it with me six days they obeyed God for six days and they went around the city once a day for six days then they returned to camp and by the way, they kept silent this whole time as well. They were silent before the word. How many of you know that sometimes you just got to be still and know that God is God? Amen? And on the seventh day, say with me, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. Say with me, they circled the city seven times. And on the seventh time around, by the way, some of you are at six days right now, but you've got one more round, and God's going to cause those walls to come down in the name of Jesus. Don't give up. On the seventh time around, the, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Hallelujah. And so they let out a great shout. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed so that everyone charged straight in and they took the city and they did it with a shout. On the count of three, I want to give the biggest shout. You can put up that picture of Jericho right there. You can see the walls fall when we begin to shout praise to the Lord. So on the count of three, I want you to give, give it just a great shout to the Lord. One, two, three. Hallelujah! That was good on the first one, even with masks on, everyone. Say it with me again. One, two, three. Hallelujah! And give the Lord a great hand clap of praise, too. Would you do that? In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And look at that picture right there. Put that back up there. If you can, that picture of Jericho. The walls came crashing down. Looks like I just came crashing down, but that was the walls. Amen. So conquering the mighty city of Jericho, 
Conquering the mighty city of Jericho was the first step in Israel claiming the promised land. Remember that. They had to conquer that city, then they were going to conquer others. But that was the first mighty city with massive walls. And I want you to just hear this this morning, everyone. When you conquer your own Jerichos, you will be that much closer to claiming what the Lord has promised to you. You've got to conquer your own Jerichos. See your own walls fall down, and you're going to get closer and closer to your destiny. So what's the message of the Battle of Jericho? If you're writing in your notes, with God, the walls will fall. They'll come crashing down, and with God, you will reach your destiny. And if you believe that, say a loud amen. Hallelujah. Say it with me right now. With God, my walls will fall. And with God, you're going to reach your destiny. I'm going to reach my destiny with God's help. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Praise God. Now, in the last year, everyone, we've really gone through, you know, 2020. What a great year. Uh, but it was a great year of God's faithfulness. And every year has its challenges, but man, I'm thankful that there's more hope now than uh, I've ever seen before. I mean, they're pricing everything out of the market right now. First of all, we had to find a way in 2020, it was the battle to get toilet paper and paper towels. And now it's the battle to have enough money to buy a sheet of plywood. I talked to a, a, a construction friend of mine the other day, uh, uh, a person I've known for many years, and he lives down in New Mexico, and he's in construction. He's helping to build a church right now. But he says, you know, Perry, those four-by-eight sheets that we need so many of, you know, to build a building, he says, you know, they were, they were $9 each. Now they're $52 each. I said, are you kidding me for a four-by-eight? And then they had it on the news the other night. Uh, same thing, same price. They used to be about $9 each, and then now they're $52 each, something like that. Can you imagine a 4 by 8 sheet needing, you know, buying them for $9, all that you needed, and now they're up to 50 bucks? How many you know that'll test your faith? <laughs> Yesterday, I bought one little packet of Jimmy Dean sausage because I had a coupon for it, but I could barely afford it with a coupon. It was $6.99. I go like, are you kidding? It's quiet in here because I... <laughs> it's like we're going through our own battlefields all the time in life. We've got all kinds of things ahead of us, but how do you know that we serve a God that's going to be with us through every battle that we face? And I want to just... Uh, here's what I wanted you to see this morning. First of all, God has the power to overcome death. Can I get a witness? Amen. The story of Lazarus. God has a power to bring the walls in our lives down, the story of Jericho, so that we can reach our destiny, all right? So is everybody on board with those two truths here this morning? Has everybody received that, amen? But now I want to just, uh, so that's the main thing that I want you to see here this morning. But now I want to just give you a couple of things right now. What are the major battlefields that we have in life? First of all, the first major battlefield is the battlefield of the mind, all right? So I want to just say this. If you get your mind right, you'll get about everything else in life right. If you just get your thinking right. And the Bible says this, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind so that you might prove it is the good and acceptable perfect will of God. So in other words, that's a major battlefield of the mind. But how many of you would agree with me this morning that if we get the mind right, we get about everything else right as well? Secondly, the battlefield of health. 
And let me tell you what, your health is worth more than a million dollars because you can't buy health. And uh, health many times, and for many people, is a great battle. But let me tell you what, God is still our healer. And the Bible says this, He was wounded for our transgressions, He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are made whole. As long as you have hope in Christ, you have hope for your health as well, that you can be healed. And that battlefield of health can come, you know, I'm talking about you can win that battle in the name of Jesus. The third battlefield is finances. Finances. You know, a lot of people have a real battle with their finances, but God will help you win the battle with your finances. And I'm telling you what, let me ask you, if uh, applying biblical principles and the things that you know right now, how many of you would say, man, I used to be really bad with finances, and you could say I don't claim to be, you know, that good with them, but God's helping me me better with them. Can I get a witness? Raise your hand right now. We're getting better at this. And the rest of you that couldn't raise your hand, God's going to help you. It's okay. Because every one of us that have raised our hands have been there and done that. We got the T-shirt. Couldn't afford to buy it, so we put it on credit. That's how we got the T-shirt. And, but God will help you see these walls of finances come down as well. I'm talking about so that you can be debt-free one day. It's a better way to live. Can I get a witness? Amen? Fourth battlefield, I just wrote these out, didn't find them anywhere, I'm just thinking about it, is the battlefield of relationships. And, and relationships in our world right now are so, so, so important. I'm talking about immediate family relationships, but then I'm talking about relationships that we have right now in our world with different cultures. Man, Harvest Church is a multicultural church, which I love. And God wants us to find our common ground at the foot of the cross where there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, but that we are all one in Christ Jesus. Can I get a witness? Amen. So the battlefield of relationships. I had someone come up to me the other day, and they said, Pastor Perry, we had such a great time together with our family. They were at a picnic together or something. They gathered together, and, and it was uh, to, to remember the loss of a loved one. But they had just said, you know, we got together as a family, and so many walls, so many walls that had been set up came down that day as we were able to gather together. How many of you know that God can bring healing to the relationships in your family? Amen. Can bring healing to the relationships in your family. Praise God. And then the other battlefield is this, is the fifth battlefield I wrote down as I was thinking about it, is the battlefield of faith. The battlefield of faith. The life that we, and here, here's the thing. The life that we live right now and the world that we live in, it requires faith in Christ. Say it with me this morning, have faith in God. How I many you know that this world is so whacked out, we got to have faith in God. We live in this kingdom, but we're not of this kingdom. We're of the kingdom of God. Say with me right now, have faith in God. I'm not going to stop having faith in God. Can I get a witness here this morning? Amen. I'm pulling on this right now because there's a lot of people that say when hard times come, the faith of many will wax cold. I don't want my faith to wax cold. I want to be on fire for God all the way. Can I get a witness? Amen. I don't want to wax cold. I want to be on fire for God. So the battlefield of faith. And I love what, what Paul wrote in Galatians. He said this, The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
He loves me and gave himself for me, but he said, the life that I live now, I live by faith in God. And this was the apostle Paul who had thorns in his flesh. He had poor eyesight. He kept on getting beat up by the adversaries. He had a lot of tough days. Many times he was left for dead. You think you and I got problems. You need to just talk to the apostle Paul. And, and he says, yep, yeah, but the life that I live right now, I live by faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, there's going to come a day someday. Uh, I'm not quite there, but I've felt little reverberations of it. Is when you get up in the morning and you say, instead of saying, good morning, Lord, you say, uh, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> And then you spend 10 minutes navigating like, am I going to get out of bed today? Do I feel like I want to get out of bed today? And your body aches. Now, I, 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 I shouldn't be so transparent with you. But I will say this. And, but then you get up and you get going and then all of a sudden everything kicks in. You know what I'm saying? Uh, does anybody relate to what I'm talking about? It's not, I mean, just some, every now and then. Okay. But the young people, don't worry about it. You don't need to be raising your hands. It's like, oh, they're old. Okay, uh, we get it. But one day, what I'm saying is your 30-year-old body doesn't work quite the same as your 20-year-old body. And let me tell you what, your 60-year-old body doesn't work quite the same as your 40-year-old body. And, and, but anyway, but I get up and say, you know what I'm going to do with this day? I'm going to live by faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. I... The, the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise God. No matter how I feel, God is with me. No matter how I feel, God's going to go before me. Praise God. God's going to renew me from the inside out. And then one day I'll be on the Today Show when I'm 100 years old. They'll be reading my name on a smucker jar. Can I get a witness? Amen. All right. So what are the major battlefields? Oh, my goodness. The battlefield of time. I'm out of time. Okay, I'm, I, I honestly, I can't believe it. I looked at the clock. They're flashing me now. The letters are white, and then they turn red, and then somebody comes out here and gets me. But anyway, okay, second part here this morning, because okay, we got the first two parts. God overcame death. God overcomes the walls in our lives, but here's what are the major battlefields. And then last thing here this morning, how can I overcome the battles of life? Number one, understand your adversary. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So understand that your adversary wants you dead, but, the, but God wants you alive. I have life in Christ, but the devil only wants to bring death into your life, but God says, I want you to have life and have it more abundantly. Amen? Jesus said that. So the devil walks about like a roaring lion. And you've heard me preach this so many times, but the Kentucky preacher that was preaching, a, a lady preacher in Kentucky, and she says, there's nothing good about the devil. There's nothing good about the devil. Every part of the devil is evil. And she goes, just look at the word devil, D-E-V-I-L. She goes, you take away the D and what you got left? You got evil. There's nothing left good about the devil. You got evil left. You take away the E and all you got left is vile, and the devil's a vile devil. You take, away the v and all you, uh, you take away the V and all you got is ill and the devil will make you ill. You take away the I and all you got left is L and the devil will send you straight to L and we don't want you to go there. Can I get to witness? Amen. How many know that the devil's bad through and through, right? 
But be, understand your adversary. Be sober, be vigilant. Say it with me this morning. Be sober, be vigilant. Secondly, understand that the battle is not yours. The battle's not yours. Watch this. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged or dismayed because of this vast army, everything that's coming against you. For the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. You're not alone there on the battlefield everywhere. God is with you. And I think what we need to do, instead of taking on so many of the battles ourselves, God, I'm not going to fight this battle myself. I'm going to give it to you. The battle is not yours. It's God's. Number three, understand the weapons of spiritual warfare. We have weapons of spiritual warfare. All of these points are a sermon in themselves, but the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we have great power. And let me tell you this. One of the greatest weapons that you have is the weapon of prayer. It's called winning the battle on your knees. And I'll tell you what. So it's a, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. And I'll tell you what. You've got some power in yourself. Enough power to get through the day. Lift your body. Eat some food and all of that. But that's just physical strength. But we have spiritual strength because of Jesus. Hallelujah. And I want to just tell you right now, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. Say with me right now, divine power. And that's through prayer to demolish strongholds. Praise God. Number four, understand the full armor of God. And we've, we've done sermons on that in the whole series. Put on the full armor of God so that you might take your stand against the evil schemes because he, against his wily schemes. And, and so put on the full armor of God. Remember this, the more that you're covered with the armor of God, the less the devil sees you and the more that he sees the armor of God. He sees, more of the, he sees more of God and he sees less of you when you're covered with the armor of God. Are you seeing that? And then the fifth thing here this morning is this, understand that you can do all things through Christ who will strengthen you. Uh, Paul said this, man, I, no matter what I've got going in my life, if I'm beat up, if I'm shut down, put down, he says, if I have little or if I have a lot, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Praise God. So with God this morning, I'm telling you what, we're going to win the battles because the greater one lives inside of us. And if you believe that, and if you receive that, give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. Would you do that right now? In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Praise God. Let me just pray with you right now. Father in heaven, we love you so much. God, I thank you right now for your word that speaks to our hearts and encourages us. Lord, I just feel encouraged in the word of God today because you are with us. And God, I just pray that we would receive your word, Lord God, today and, and realize, Lord God, that you've never last, lost a battle. We've lost plenty of them, but you've never lost one. So, Lord, I just really believe that we just need to really cast these burdens and cast these cares on you because you care for us. And if the greater one lives inside of us, hallelujah, we're going to overcome the enemy every time in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I just pray right now a special blessing, Lord God, on your people. God, help us not to walk in defeat, but let us walk in victory in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people said amen. amen. Online and also on campus this morning, I want to just ask you if you're right with God. And let me tell you what, in order to win the battles of life, you've got to have something greater on the inside, and that greater person is the Lord, to have the Lord Jesus Christ on the inside. I'll tell you what, if God is on the inside, I'll tell you what, 
greater is he who lives in me than he that is in the world. So if God's on the inside, the greater one lives inside, he's going to help you to overcome the enemy. Praise God. And then if God be for us, who can be against us? And I want to just invite you here this morning, if you've never asked Christ to be your Savior and your Lord, right here on campus and right there online, just invite Christ in your life right now to be your Savior. Everyone that needs to pray that prayer, join with me right now. Church family could run this week with me as well. To just pray this prayer, a dedication to the Lord. Say, Lord Jesus, I know right now the battle is too great for me, and I need you. Help me, Lord God. Right now, I invite you into my heart, into my life, to be my Savior, and to be my Lord. Forgive me of all of my sin. Give me a new life today. And with my mouth, I now confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Watch this now. Lord Jesus, I believe on you now. And I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. And I pray in your holy name, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. If you pray that prayer and you meant it, your name's been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. The angels in heaven are rejoicing. You've got a, you're, you become a brand new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, all things have become new because of what Jesus has done right now in this moment. In all of God's people, say aloud, amen. Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless. Thank you.